0: Oh, like cuz when I shot I expected to make it. So like I don't shoot trying kind to of miss. So.
1: You are locked on Raptors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team
0: every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 847 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, December the 16th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. The show is at Locked Raptors, and you can also find the podcast on all of your favorite podcast providers. Also, Right now, I uh, have to tell you, go and check out our newest show on the network, Locked On Bets. It's all about gambling. It is hosted by uh, Locked On Raiders host, your boy Q, as well as Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They do a great job of uh, giving you the, the insight you need to know when you're betting on sports for the day. Go make yourself some money over at Locked On Bet. Subscribe right now. Okay. Let's get into today's show. As teased yesterday on the podcast, we are going to dive a little bit more into the Giannis fallout for the Raptors. Of course, one of the teams most affected by his decision to stick around with the Milwaukee Bucks for five years on the Supermax contract. It's a bummer. Of course, Raptors fans went through it yesterday, and we are continuing to digest the aftermath. And joining me to do that, as well as talk about a couple of bits of news yesterday that also were not terribly glowing, from the Raptors announcing they'll be hosting some fans in Tampa Bay. Bay, as well as some uh, not-so-pretty jerseys that leaked the city edition or the statement the earned, whatever the hell one it is, the fifth jersey with purple, uh, that leaked and people were not terribly thrilled with that, myself included. Joining me to talk about all of these things today is our pal, a wonderful broadcaster, uh, extraordinaire, really, all around Toronto doing live events, doing on-air events, whatever it is. It's Ashley Docking. Ashley, how's it going?
1: Hello. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me.
0: Very happy to have you back. Uh, You're the best. So let's dive into something first that is not the best. We'll probably save the Giannis talk for the back two segments of today's show. But we'll kick things off with a couple things that just kind of poured salt in the wound yesterday after the Giannis (laughs) news. The first being that the Raptors announced that they will be hosting a maximum of 3,800 fans at Amelie Arena, where they'll be playing their home games in Tampa Bay uh this is not great i would prefer that they did not have fans not just because the virus is terrifying and is out of control and you could have spread among the fans who were at this game however much you want to protect the players there are still human beings who are going to be going to these games and policing masks and stuff is going to be difficult so there's that and also the fact that just like having fans kind of shows that you know there's there's a lack of seriousness i think towards the virus especially considering they're playing down in florida and it's very clearly an attempt to get a little bit of gate revenue in a year where it's going to cost the raptors quite a bit to be playing abroad uh ashley what was your reaction to this news and how do you feel about the, the idea of the raptors hosting a bunch of floridians uh you know snowbirds whatever they might be but hosting a bunch of people from florida the hell COVID state in the arena <laughs> for home games this year
1: <laughs> what a lovely picture that you've painted. Um, I'm pretty sure you're working for a travel and tourism Florida, actually, yes. by the sounds yes. of it. Uh, the they- books, yes. <laughs> um, kid, my, can I be completely honest? Because mm-hmm. my initial selfish reaction was jealousy. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say that we're all thirsty for live events. Um, It's something that we've been missing in our lives, whether or not we're members of the media, just going down to the arena, interacting with our colleagues, catching up with the players, um, just being in the atmosphere because we know that Toronto has one of the best atmospheres in the league, and that is just an objective opinion. Those are facts. Um, But then I think to your point too, it's just – It's difficult when people decide to play by rules in situational cases, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that it can kind of, not to be too, like, grim about it but it can kind of be kind of tied back to the terrence davis stuff that we're all waiting to see what happens and the follow-up that's already happened from that mm-hmm. um you know obviously terrence davis down with the team in regular rotation not being made available for media as of yet there's a lot of people that are disappointed because this is an organization that said they have a zero tolerance policy but now because of the pa which you know, those rules are kind of antiquated anyways, that's like a smokescreen that they can kind of hide behind until they figure out the repercussions. So it's like, you're not allowed to have fans in Toronto at your home base, but because Florida is playing fast and loose with the rules, you're going to jump on that bandwagon as an opportunity to have fans, even though you know that it might not be the best for health and safety, but because you're following the quote unquote protocols, um, that makes it okay. Even if it's not necessarily the right thing to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like I, the medical side of things, I'm sure has been cleared. You know, it wouldn't be cleared. I mean, it's, it's worth keeping in mind that Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis is just about the worst human alive and really <laughs> does not care about the health and well being of his populace. But. You know, if the NBA has said you can have this number of fans, I'm sure it's safe, you know, quote unquote safe compared to sort of just like being out and going to the grocery store or whatever. I'm sure the mask is protocols. It yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, you give the NBA the benefit of the doubt because they handled the bubble so well and they really seem to actually care about it. But ultimately we have no idea and the the policing of it is going to be difficult and this is not the NFL where most of these stadiums are outdoors and even the indoor ones are these vast cavernous like enormous like spaceships on land it's a pretty confined space comparatively in an NBA arena or an NHL arena i guess in the case of Amelie arena but it's just it's just icky. The optics of it suck. Maybe even more so than the potential for spread. Because again, it, like if they're really, really strict with it, the, the mass protocols and the sanitation protocols are super stringent. I'm sure they'll be able to manage this just fine and avoid spread, at least among players. But that again doesn't mm-hmm. account for the the fans in attendance and sort of devaluing them in the name of getting their money. <laughs> it's it's all very uh... very gross and it would just be a lot cleaner and easier if they just decided no we're not going to have fans clearly that's not gonna be the case um, let's get through this shit as soon as possible, please, because it's depressing to think about. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I think just just one more thing before we move on from that. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's important that you know. I think I, I hope a lot of people were disillusioned um, in the last year or so about the NBA, and although they do represent a lot of good things, and although that they are progressive in a lot of ways, at the end of the day, this is a business, mm-hmm. and if you didn't learn that from the Daryl Morey China situation at the beginning of last season, um, then I don't know what we're doing. And if you didn't learn it from the information that was released around the 2020 presidential election, wherein we saw the donations and the people that um, the owners were donating to – That it's like optics is one thing, but at the end of the day, it's a business. So, yes, the bubble was safe for the players and, yes, they got off an NBA finals, but to their own end in a lot of cases. And they had to make a lot of concessions that they weren't originally prepared to make because, essentially, the NBA players walked off the job and forced the league's hand. Mm -hmm. And so... That's just something to keep in mind when you talk about, I'm sure that they're wanting to make it safe for everybody. And I don't think that they're putting people in danger on purpose, but I just don't know if their intentions are as wholesome as maybe a picture that you painted.
0: Oh, yeah, certainly not. I didn't mean to paint the, <laughs> the NBA's intentions as wholesome either. I should not have done that because, uh, yeah, they're uh, their business of ghouls. And look, I think the only real telling story here is that I believe the only other arena that is going to have fans to start the season is Oklahoma City. You know, the team owned by the <laughs> fracking lords of the Midwest, who like just <laughs> perhaps the biggest ghoul owners in the league, minus Tillman Fertitta, like the biggest ghoul owners that actually have money. It is, uh, it's not great. And it's certainly something I think that you're, it's very okay to be upset with. And kind of, you know, a growing trend of reasons to maybe have some beef with the Raptors between the Terrence Davis situation and him still being able to play while the court case is ongoing, between the, you know the, the the loss of Serge Ibaka and Marcus in the name of cap space that will not be used on the intended target now um mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of reasons why you might be a little bit disillusioned with this year's edition of the team compared to the it, it, like eminently likable version of the team last year and this fans thing just kind of adds to it uh one last quick thing here before we get into the honest stuff Ashley the jerseys that dropped the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, chevron,
1: the purple chevrons?
0: The purple chevrons. The, if you've not seen them, the, it's been shared around by now. If you just look up earned edition jerseys, you'll see the, the mock-up. It, it's a purple front black back, which, as people who listen to this podcast know, is my favorite jersey in Raptors history. It's excellent back from the Vince Carter days, but they kind of screwed up a perfect concept by... Having the chevron kind of exist in the middle of the torso and the top of the legs, and then it's black, the rest of it. um, You know, I get the idea a little bit, but I think the execution is quite bad. I will not be purchasing one of these jerseys because, (laughs) first of all, these earned ones last for one year and then they're on to something new. But also, I think it looks quite bad. Ashley, what what is your uh, impression of the jersey? Is this something you even care about?
1: (laughs) Um, No, not necessarily. (laughs) However, I do think that... It's worth it to point out that this whole Jersey thing has gone way too far Mm -hmm. there are too many additions (laughs) they're trying to do the most sometimes if we've learned anything from our time with Serge Ibaka just having a little bit of class and going back to the basic elements can get you a long way Mm -hmm. just keep it simple and so it's actually going to be kind of funny with these guys in like all black if like they're standing against um like a black baseline or something they're going to look like floating heads and just like (laughs) on the top of a purple chevron if we're talking about just like tricks of the eye or whatever the case may be but yeah not for me I also just like don't buy jerseys Mm -hmm. because I think it's kind of weird to have like a 24 year old's name on my back as (laughs) a grown-ass woman I think there's like an an age cutoff for me personally unless you're wearing a jersey of someone from your era when you were the appropriate 20 year old you Mm -hmm. know what I mean like if I show up looking um like really good in my Chris Bosch jersey Or my Jose Calderon jersey or something like that. I feel like it's more appropriate. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be wearing, like, a Fred Van Vliet, even though I love the guy.
0: Mm -hmm. That's fair. Uh, I'm just gonna go take off my Marcus Saul jersey that I'm wearing right now. uh, It's the Memphis one. It's Memphis, so it's cool. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine.
1: That's (laughs) cool. It's retro. Uh, It's got a lot of historic value, you know, defensive player of the year, all that. It's fine.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm glad I'm not a (laughs) loser. Uh, (laughs) Puts
1: on zip-up hoodie.
0: (laughs) As far as 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 my thoughts on the jerseys, I don't think they're good. I think they're uh, an interesting concept that falls flat in the execution. That said, they're probably gonna wear these like five times all year, and the base ones they have for this year the black the or sorry the white the red and the black one with the pinstripes that og modeled when they first released them Mm -hmm. those three all like the jordan ones. yeah yeah like that's an incredibly good jersey and so you have that this is a downer even the city jersey is pretty good too so if you're going four or five i think you're probably doing all right you're much better than the clippers for example who boy the all gray what Like, did they forget to put color on it on Corel draw like what's going on <laughs> here anyway um that's jersey talk we'll leave that behind for now we're gonna go on it's and an official segment yes yes
1: <laughs> you're like sheldon in the big bang theory with his flag show or whatever it's, it is exactly
0: yeah we'll, we'll get back to jersey hour whenever <laughs> the time calls for it once again uh we're gonna get into some Giannis stuff now the post Giannis fallout for the raptors where do they go who should they target do they target anybody that it is kind of let it ride. We will dive into all of that in the next two segments. But first, I want to tell everybody today about Headspace, which, look, right now, 2020, it sucks. It's okay. It's it's terrible. It's okay to admit it. And you're probably a lot more stressed and or anxious this year than you've ever been. Well, Headspace is here to help you resolve that. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So, whatever the situation is, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being, which is very important in these trying times. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. That's pretty good. I would recommend getting into that group of 60 million people who have downloaded it. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com locked on NBA, that's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal they're offering right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. All right, Ashley. Uh we're gonna get into Giannis in uh t- Twenty seconds. Just got to remind everybody that tomorrow and Friday we will be doing our uh, annual over-unders and prop bets podcast with Vivek Jacob and Sahal Abdi, one of my favorite shows of the year. That'll be coming up tomorrow and Friday, so keep an eye out. All right, Ashley, let's uh, dive into this Giannis stuff. It was certainly deflating to see... The half-decade-long master plan of Masai Ujiri fall flat in such unceremonious fashion, frankly, getting broken uh, by Shams in the middle of the day on a Tuesday. You know, it could have been a, where's the Players' Tribune article? At least do some pompous (laughs) circumstances. What are we doing here? But, um, of course, that plan is now at the window. The Raptors are going to have to recalibrate. Uh, my first question to you, Ashley, and, and, you know, people were extremely sad and gloomy about the future of the team after this news broke, and understandably so. It's been, I think, a very realistic possibility. You know, Giannis didn't stay in Milwaukee. You know, it wasn't like a guaranteed preordained thing. I, I, it, it, you know, there was a lot of potential for him to potentially leave had things gone wrong, and the Bucks basically tried to do everything possible to push him out the door. He just happens to be a nice dude who likes Milwaukee, and they got really lucky in that regard. The Raptors, I think, this doesn't invalidate their candidacy or anything like that. They were, as Mark Spears pointed out, the team that he thought Giannis was going to go to um, when he was on the radio yesterday. So, you know, it, it's it's bummer, but it, this was always a rather likely outcome. You know, him staying in Milwaukee was always the most likely of all the outcomes. And the Raptors, you know, if they had a 10% chance, a 20% chance, whatever, it was all worth the planning they've done. So, Ashley, my question to you, after a very long preamble to the question, is is sort of... Sorry,
1: I just, felt, I just took a nap. I didn't realize. That's okay. No, you know joking. what? It happens all the time on the podcast.
0: But what was your reaction when it all kind of happened? And did you feel a similar sense of gloom about the future of the team?
1: Sean, I got to say, I'm on team denial. I'm on team... A 15% trade kicker isn't that much. I'm on team... 2020 hindsight is a bitch, and that after a potentially unfulfilling year in Milwaukee, that Mr. Giannis Antetokounmpo will change his mind could change (laughs) his mind. I'm I'm in full denial about this. I refuse to believe that as a fan base collective, we went through half a decade of essentially what equates to you know news and rumors, blue balls, and didn't end up getting a payoff at all. There was all this buildup. We got dressed up in our best clothes. We did our hair and makeup. We wooed him. We wined and dined him all to get left on red. No, I refuse to believe that this is the situation that we're in. 2020 has been hard enough and we cannot take another collective L. So I really feel like there's still a chance. But after I snap back to reality, I think it does make a lot of sense that he decided to stay there, right? Like, I know that our heroes are never the kind of people that we think that they are. Like, what's the thing? Like, never meet your heroes. You'll always be disappointed or whatever the case may be. But if there's anyone that kind of seems exactly like he is and is just like a nice Greek boy who's very dependable and likes to follow through on his word and not let people down that have invested time and money into him, it's going to be honest, right? So to sign such a massive deal after the story that he's had, after what him and his family have been through, like, it's very nice to see. I'm very happy for him. Although I do think that he still could have gotten the exact same deal, maybe like it, at the end of the year and seen what happened with the bucks. Mm-hmm right? Like, I I just, I I was concerned and hurt that he was in a rush to do it, but I do understand that he wants to lock up $230 million, obviously, uh, with a fourth-year player option. But, you know, it is what it is, and I think that no matter what you think, if This means that Masai is actually going to leave as well because that's another layer to this too. It was like the two of them were supposed to be the package deal that brought Toronto into the next um, decade and that was Mm going to be what we could rely on for the next five to seven years. Um, But at the very least, at least we do have a beneficial position in terms of cap space, in terms of flexible contracts, in terms of tradable contracts, um, and a good team to put on the floor this year with players that are familiar and that the fans do love.
0: Yeah, I don't think the the, the the act of Giannis sticking with the Bucks invalidates what the Raptors did to plan for the eventuality of him becoming available. I, I think you can justify all of the process. You know, it's like a, an offensive possession where everything goes right, a guy just happens to miss an open three, and that's okay. Right. It, it, you know, the Serge Ibaka thing is a bummer, obviously. Had they given him an extra year, maybe he sticks around and we get to watch Serge Ibaka play for the Raptors more and be handsome, but that's, of course, <laughs> not the case, and You know the Mark Gasol. I feel like Gasol was probably leaving anyway. I don't think he was really feeling a season in Tampa Bay, but that's just me. That's not sourced or reporting or anything like that. That's just reading the tea leaves. You know, so if if Ibaka is the cost of keeping that flexibility open, I think it is worth. You know, all that you've kind of sacrificed, and, and it's worth sort of seeing through the plan to the end, even if a couple of weeks later the plan was deemed un- impossible by uh, Giannis' son at the Supermax. Uh, you know, I think as well, the flexibility they have is still valuable. It's not like Giannis' signing yeah. takes away the value of having that cap space. Obviously. The free agent class is dwindling. There's a rumor today that Kawhi is probably going to be re-upping long-term with the Clippers. And I think the whole Kawhi is going to return thing, that's never really actually been grounded in any truth. It's just been fun, you know, dumb online wishcasting. And that's totally fair and cool. I, lo- I love dumb online wishcasting. It's like what I traffic in. But, you know, in terms <laughs> it's of... my currency. Yeah. But in terms of, like, actual reasonable targets next summer that you could actually be happy to give your open money to... It's not a long list. I mean, maybe Victor Oladipo has a bounce back season this year and he becomes a target. Maybe Rudy Gobert doesn't re up with the, the Jazz and you want to make the best defense of all time with OG Pascal, Rudy Go- Gobert in the front court. You know, that's a Absolutely. potential thing as well. But barring those two guys, I, I don't think there's a ton of sexy options for next offseason in terms of free agency. But that still doesn't mean. The the cap space you have and the flexibility is va- is not valuable because there are trades you can execute. If you are looking to make a deal with a team, you don't. If you have a ton of cap space, you don't have to match the salaries going out. You can you know load up on picks and young players instead of having to include big contracts. You know you may have to include one of the bigger contracts anyway to get a star, but still you have a lot more options in terms of how you can construct a trade if you can just absorb somebody into your cap space. And I, I just feel like. There's a lot of sort of oh well it wasn't even worth all of the all of what they sacrificed. I mean they didn't sacrifice a ton really. They sacrificed Abaka no, really and Gasol. They've won a title in the last 2 years. They had a wonderfully fun season last year. If they sacrificed like 3 or 4 wins this year is what a te- you know will probably amount to and some likability in terms of Gasol and Ibaka, then I think it's worth it still and there's still a lot of different courses they can take. Next offseason and there are courses they don't have to take necessarily either they can just continue to ride it out and I want to get into sort of the different forks in the road that they're going to come across when they get to the summer of 2021 in just a second actually but first I want to tell everybody about built go which is a wonderful wonderful product to help you break through the wall that we all kind of hit at some point. During the day, especially in exhausting times like this, whether it's a mental or physical wall, you can break through it with go every single day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages, you can put it in your briefcase, you can have the most focused presentation ever after you take it, you can go golfing and bring it for the back nine, you can go to the gym, put it in your pocket, whatever it might be. Biltgo is the best workout gel on the market today. It's basically like a five-hour energy uh, shot without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's better for the body. So why would you go ahead and drink one of those nasty electric green monster energy drinks when you can get a third of the caffeine and better results from one of these one-and-a-half-ounce Go packages? They've got three tasty flavors for you to try, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint, and it works really, really well because it is combining energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing it gets into your system quickly plus it's easy on your stomach and promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health so it literally makes you look and feel better while also Built Go is loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work like beta alanine, B3, honey and a kick of caffeine as well as B6 and B12 vitamins. Right now when you visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED L-O-C-K-E-D you get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code LOCKED L-O-C-K-E-D for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go all right Ashley we uh kind of led up a little bit to the the forks in the road that the Raptors are going to come across uh, over the course of this season and once you get into 2021 you mentioned the Maasai thing which is also a thing to consider in all of this and what his decision whether he stays or goes might dictate for the course of the team I, I should say It's probably more likely now than it was yesterday that Masai leaves. I still think it's probably more likely that he sticks around because why wouldn't MLSE give him the bag? Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that's worth worrying about too, too much yet. But if the rumors are true that, you know, the staff and Bobby Webster are getting taken care of, I think the Raptors, even if Masai leaves, will be in a good position to continue on whatever course it is that they've been plotting with Masai in-house. So I would like to try to ease those fears. It would suck ass to lose Masai Ujiri. He's the figurehead (laughs) of the franchise. He's incredible, but I don't think losing him means the Raptors are going back to the Colangelo days or anything like that. So let's just get that out of the way. In terms of the options next summer now, it's kind of, I guess there's like three or four, right? It's search for a disgruntled star somewhere, maybe Bradley Beal. Um, You know, you try to do the Kawhi thing where you get someone who's, you know, got a couple years left in the contract, one year left in the contract, and you try to swing a deal that maybe other teams aren't in the position to make the risk for. You could uh, sign a free agent, whether it's, you know, all of your money on a Rudy Gobert or a Victor Oladipo, if they're available, or if it's, you know, spreading that across a few different depth signings, maybe some RFA, younger guys, whatever it might be, who you think might be able to pop. There's that option. Uh, And there's also the option of just like running it all back, giving Kyle Lowry a parachute deal to end his career with the team, Um, you know, maybe bring back Serge Ibaka if he out after year one. Fingers crossed here. Let's go. Uh, And continuing to grow with the core of O.G., Pascal Fred Van Vliet and then I don't know maybe Malachi Flynn is already in that conversation after two preseason games like maybe that's hyperbolic. I don't care. Um, You know you have (laughs) a pretty good basis to go forward here. So Ashley what would you like to see like is there a path that you would like to see them most sort of uh, lean into or is it a matter of doing what the Raptors do and just kind of waiting and being flexible and being opportunistic when the the moment strikes to do anything and that's sort of the, the byproduct of having flexibility.
1: See, that's the one thing, though. I think when you say, like, waiting and waiting for an opportunity, I don't think that you mean it, but I think it kind of gives the false illusion that the Raptors haven't been proactive over the last couple of years, which you know they absolutely have, specifically Mm -hmm. Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. Like, hello, hi. Everyone's heart stopped. We all had to get a defibrillator and just, like, bring ourselves back to life. Why aren't they trading for James Harden? That's my question. Because... I think that it would be really interesting. Listen, this team does not like to sit on their laurels. They're full of competitors. Masai Ujiri loves to win. Bobby Webster, who's rumored to be a Libra, which don't let the romance and the (laughs) sign fool you, also is a very competitive guy. Um, He likes to make moves. He's just more covert, right? Remember when the athletic story came out and they're like, oh, he used to be in the Secret Service or whatever the case may be? (laughs) Like His birth date is not even on the internet. This guy is an actual like undercover um, stealth guy. So he can make things happen. I just think it's interesting if you bring in a James Harden, you're obviously probably going to have to get rid of like an OG and a nobi for example. And you're going to have to part with draft picks for the next few years. But Raptors own their own first round draft picks for like the next six years or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So they have the assets to do that. You have Kyle Lowry. You have Fred VanVleet. You have Malachi, who you mentioned. You have Pascal Siakam. You know, you have... A little bit, I think, of a deficiency on the back end just because losing Serge Ibaka, losing Marc Gasol, I think that um, it really, really hindered them in terms of offensive upside from the center position, specifically when I'm talking about Serge Ibaka. And it definitely hindered them in terms of ball movement, overall vision and defensive prowess when it came to Marc Gasol. But you bring him in, he's one of the top scorers of all all time he's already said he just wants to win and he's willing to play in a system where he can either iso which we know he can do very effectively even though it hasn't taken him to a title or he can be someone who facilitates when he was in the triple double battle or no yeah yeah, triple-double yeah. battle. <laughs> yeah. like Double-triple battle? No, the triple-double <laughs> battle with Russell Westbrook a couple years ago when he was, like, all-star point guard, feeding everyone on his team, making them look good with silky passes and vision. I think he's more flexible of a player than people give him credit for. He said he's willing to adapt. This organization is able to handle someone with a little bit of ego, even though James Harden is more... Um, overt about it. Kawhi Leonard wasn't the easiest person to have in the locker room, as we've been hearing after things have kind of flushed out, right? He was difficult here. Some people had problems with the way that he was treated and the special treatment that he was given, but they kept it in-house. So the Raptors organization is well-versed in dealing with personalities and guys who are, quite frankly, irreplaceable, which is not something a lot of us can say. So I think that that would be something that's kind of interesting. Otherwise, I'm totally into Rudy Cootie Gobert and (laughs) bring him on board. He's someone that's both automatic offense just because of his size, automatic defense. He shoots like 65% from the field. And I think that he would be able to really aid the Raptors in the transition game, which we know they love so much. So if you're not going to be able to find someone who's proficient in isolation basketball and proficient in creating shots for themselves in the half court, then you might as well lean all the way in to the transition game um, and he's someone that can probably help with that.
0: Yeah, I mean at the very least he'll be blocking shots like a crazy person and leading to leak outs for other dudes for sure. Yeah. It, it, so I, I agree with the general sentiment of I think trading for a star is probably the course and just sort of waiting until one becomes available and there is one available right now in James Harden. I, but you don't like him. No, I don't agree that you should trade for James Harden because I don't think what would like they would have to give up Pascal Siakam Like that's that's the deal. If if Ben Simmons is the is the apple of Houston's eye, the only thing you're coming close to matching Ben Simmons if you're the Raptors is Pascal Siakam. They have no use for Kyle Lowry. He's 35 and he's gonna be a pending free agent. What were you gonna say? But they
1: can free up. But I was gonna say if they do trade for kyle then the rockets are going to get that cap space off the books completely next year
0: yes but i think they would rather have a player to build around that's not john wall right like like they need yes yeah i like they're not going to go sign a free agent next year either because you know with the being gone the the free agent class again it's not just disappointing for the raptors it's disappointing for everybody it's underwhelming for everybody and so
1: don't disrespect blake griffin that way
0: (laughs) doesn't he have like seven more years on his contract like i don't even i don't
1: even know he's got two for sure yeah i feel like this guy used to be such a marquee player and then he punched his buddy in the face in front of jack Astors on front street (laughs) and then no one ever heard from him again yeah it was like the beginning of the end yeah Um, but what i was gonna say is that like I understand what you're saying about giving up Pascal Siakam and I understand what you're saying about they're not going to want Kyle Lowry, but maybe this is my unwavering and blind faith in Masai Ujiri Mm. and Bobby Webster as a tandem, but we've seen some of the deals that they've they've been able to pull off. And you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Someone agreed to this? Interesting. And it just depends really on the Rockets' overall philosophy once they kind of figure out what exactly they're going to do with James Harden, like, are picks more valuable than someone who could be okay for them like do they need to replace a quote-unquote star with a star or do they believe that John Wall is actually someone who they want to invest in long term
0: yeah I just I don't know I I don't see like if Simmons is that is a potential target and it's like the trade deadline they're able to do it like I don't see them making that trade until they get the firm know that Simmons is off the table right off the table yeah and so if you are going to try to beat them to the punch it has to be a Siakam I think like I, I really think that you're, you're not constructing a James Harden deal if you're not including Pascal in it it just to me seems unrealistic that they'd even you know answer the phone call let alone not hang up in your face and then <laughs> if you get Harden and Siakam is involved in the deal then yeah you have a pretty unbalanced roster you've had to give up Norm Powell most likely as well to match salaries maybe you mm-hmm. can work in a deal where you bring back PJ Tucker in some way that would be ideal mm-hmm. but you're still sitting there with. First of all, where does Fred VanVleet play if you have Harden? Like, do you play a Lowry, Fred, Harden, one, two, three? Can that hang? Is that, is that good enough defensively? Is there enough size there? Are you using Lowry and Fred correctly? I mean, they're both good off ball, but you know, is it a waste of what they do well? And then yeah. you're really s- sort of hurting in the front court. You're missing Pascal. Yes, you have OG, and you're probably sliding him to the four where he's been. You know, the worst points of his career have been him playing at the four so far. And we've talked about that on this podcast before. Yeah. And then your center position is still your center position. And so unless you get PJ Tucker back and play him as a small ball five and do the Rockets thing, then, you know, that's great. But I just I don't see that being a title team. I don't think Harden is the kind of defender that could fit into Nick Nurse's system and keep it humming. Pascal is so essential to Nurse's system. He is. Yeah. And to me, it feels like a trade for. You know, an upside of, okay, maybe we make the conference finals, but more likely it's like a disappointing second round exit to a good team because the East has more than four good teams now. And so I I just I don't see it being worth it for a guy in Harden who's probably going to leave after next year. And you don't want to be paying Harden his next contract either because he's going to be like 32 and he's going to be demanding a full max. And I don't know if you want to be giving out a five year max to a 32 year old James Harden. It just seems kind of ill advised to me. And so while I agree with the idea that trading for a star, whether it's a Beal, whether it's a Carl Anthony Towns, if he, you know, gets disgruntled, whether it may be Joel Embiid, if the thing doesn't work out with the Sixers, you know, and and there's no Harden trade to be had, you know, if those things present themselves, that to me is is the way to go here, as opposed to selling up for cap space for a superstar free agent who very rarely hit market now. um, And... Harden to me just doesn't tick the boxes and doesn't make them enough of a like surefire finals contender to make it worth it. As great as James Harden is, because he's really, really freaking good.
1: Yeah, he, obviously he's amazing. And I think people like really tend to forget that. Like, I don't think they love to give flowers to people that are seen as like kind of like problem children, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like Kyrie's on court value disintegrated when he decided to be a flat earther. People were like, oh, I don't know about this guy. And it's like, he can still ball. And the same with James Harden. But like, you don't have to worry about paying him for another three years, right? He's like Two he's years. He's U- got two years two, after. Two years. He's like got this, this year, next. next year, and then a player option. No, right? it's
0: just this and next. And then he's a free agent. I guess it is a player option. Yeah, Yeah, it's in the third year. I mean, he's probably Um, got an opt out of that, but yes.
1: Sure. So you get him for two seasons. But what if you didn't have to give up Pascal? What if you could sell him on OG? And then you could sell him on like the...
0: We need to match the salaries is the thing. The
1: salary dump of Kyle Lowry next year. And then you toss in like three first-round picks. And then you have Fred Van Vliet, James Harden, Pascal Siakam in the mix. And then you have to work on, yes, your front court, as you said, Of course, but if PJ Tucker comes back, then you're only missing one piece and guess what? They're still missing that piece right now anyway, but you've bolstered your offense. You've bolstered your clutch time scoring and you've spread out the defense Mm -hmm. because now they have to worry about this guy and it makes room for your other players.
0: I don't hate it in terms of like basketball. I do think (laughs) there is a cost with a trade like this where... It is kind of selling your soul a little bit if you're trading Kyle Lowry for James Harden. I don't know. Maybe it's too much attachment to Kyle, but...
1: Is it because it's the Houston connection, too?
0: Maybe, but if you're (laughs) trading Kyle for James Harden and your team... Like I said, I still don't know if it'll be... I mean, maybe it'll be good enough. Maybe a Harden Fred OG or Harden Fred Pascal insert, you know, I guess Norm or whatever... Maybe that's good enough, but I also don't really think it's good enough. I think still the defense will struggle because Harden is not equipped to play the defense that the Raptors play.
1: And Kyle does have a major impact on defense.
0: Exactly. And so I do agree on that. I, like So here's the thing. I don't think the Raptors should be panicking and making a brash move because they didn't get Giannis and he's not going to be available next summer. I think you can wait it out a little bit. And yeah. sort of read the field and recalibrate in a year, as opposed to like, all right, well, James Harden's the star available now, so we have to do it right now because. And just go
1: star hunting because yeah, he doesn't fit the culture. There might
0: be a star who's of a better, more sort of in line age who has less red flags than James Harden a year from now <laughs> that comes available. And if that takes place and you're sitting there having already spent all your chips on James Harden, I feel like you'd be looking at being pretty disappointed with that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, we could have traded for Bradley Beal or Karl-Anthony Towns or whatever, but because we blew all the chips on James Harden, who's going to leave at the end of the year you know it's just
1: in a panic move to make sure that our ascension continues because that's to be over what it was last year but it's like but okay so what are your expectations for this year's team then because i think that that's the problem right is that like you do get into a mentality it's like okay we were the defending champs we had a really good run last year in the bubble like that seven game series with boston was phenomenal Mm -hmm. um but now it's like it's difficult when for the last 10 years we've been on this slow ascent Mm -hmm. And now it's like, is this a plateau? Is it a quote-unquote step back in terms of the record, in terms of the games you're going to win, in terms of the ease with which you're going to win the games that you do take? Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's kind of difficult for a fan base to grasp because it's not something that we've ever really dealt with with the raptors so it's a unique experience kind of watching them or expecting them to slowly tear apart a championship team with which you've given your heart to
0: yeah i mean this is why fans aren't general managers right like it's (laughs) you know there's look the the plateau After being on Everest is still a very, very high plateau, right? Like, yes, they're not maybe the same team they were two years ago, but or even last year. But that doesn't mean they aren't going to be quite good this year. I have them finishing second in the East and probably losing in the second round in similar fashion to last year, which is a very good and exciting season to watch as a fan. Yeah, in terms of the regular season, I think so. They just They win a lot of games. Kyle Lowry drives winning, and a lot of other teams have got guys they are going to be resting and stuff, and injuries to worry about, and I think the Raptors' okay. depth will bode well for them in the year, and yeah, they'll probably lose in the second round to a good team, and that's fine, because... This we've literally seen this formula work before for the Raptors and when I talked about earlier about you know being opportunistic and waiting for a chance that's not by any means me painting that as a negative that is a positive that is a feature not a bug because their whole thing is we're going to stay good and relevant yeah maybe we're going to lose in the second round but that's much better than being a lottery team you know hoping balls fall your way. And we're going to assemble, you know, shadow cores and young assets and draft picks and good young players that we could potentially trade as well, so we can be maneuverable when an opportunity to strike comes up, like like with Kawhi. And so, I think the patience is certainly to be exercised right now by Raptors fans. It's scary yeah. not knowing what the next step is now that you're not looking towards this one potential goal in Giannis. But I also think there's a lot of charm and excitement with the idea of not knowing what the next steps are because it's a lot less preordained and can kind of go in a whole whole bunch of different directions. So I would very much preach, cool your jets a little bit if you're thinking about, if you're spiraling after the Giannis news and thinking the Raptors run of being good is over. No, it's not because they are good by design and that is their whole mentality and their whole approach. And they have the players locked in. To maintain that being good by design while waiting for the next big thing to come along.
1: And I will say too that since the level of excellence has been set and the standard has been set that even if, I'm not saying that I think this is going to happen, but even if the nuclear option comes and the Raptors aren't able to convince Masai to come back or Bobby decides to leave for a new challenge as well, the team is in a great position with ownership who kind of now understands what it looks like to be successful and the people that they need to have in place to continue rolling they're in a really good spot to pick up and do that whomever it is that they would have to bring in should the should masai and should should bobby um decide to leave
0: absolutely um i think that is a pretty good place to leave it here hopefully an optimistic note for
1: uh, for some <laughs> people as we, as we move
0: into you know, the uh, the future that is very, very unclear and uncertain, of course. But um, Ashley, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Do you have anything you want to promote?
1: Um, yeah, I wrote an article for the Toronto Star a week ago, and it's highlighting an organization in Toronto called The Kickback, where they accept shoe donations, but only elite shoes, only shoes you would wear yourself. And they give it to kids to help aid in... Just, you know, making them feel good about themselves and making them not seem like, you know, they're going without because a lot of kids have issues with, you know, being seen as less than if they come from low income housing. Mm-hmm. So this organization really tries to set them up with gear, which might seem superficial, but it's an opportunity to let these kids worry about one less thing. And then the, the organization mentors them to help pursue their dreams in creative fields, photography, directing, Um even like broadcasting and stuff like that. So if you have time, check out the Kickback, donate some shoes. They're also accepting donations of literature um, targeted to uh, BIPOC community members or written in for indigenous voices. Um, so check it out.
0: Amazing. Uh, absolutely. And follow Ashley at Smartash as well, SMRT. Uh, always a great follow there too. And I'm sure <laughs> lots of info available there people to check out everything you got going on uh, I should wrap up the show with our local business of the day to uh, to, to con- continue the grand December tradition that we've got together here uh, today's local business of the day that you should definitely be supporting because Amazon does not need your money is a different book list it is a African Canadian owned bookstore specializing in literature from the African and Caribbean diaspora and the global south uh, you can find this bookstore at 779 Bathurst Street in Toronto and you can email the them info at a different booklist.com a different booklist.com is their website they're open Monday to Friday noon to 6 and they have pickup only right now due to COVID-19 so if you have a book that you want to buy Uh, I highly recommend check out a different book list right now and uh, give them some support over the holiday season and into 2021 because local businesses will need your help going further beyond this year as well Um, with that we have reached the end of today's podcast sorry for going a little bit long but Ashley and I like to talk and so when (laughs) we come together it's going to be a little bit longer appreciate you sticking around Uh, again we'll be back again on Thursday and Friday with our two part Raptors season over unders and props episode with myself and Vivek and the hall so that'll be a lot of fun uh until then go listen to the locked on nba season preview that's ongoing over on the locked on nba channel i was on tuesday's episode the atlantic division preview and we got divisions every single day being covered by all the local hosts on the network so go and check it out that'll do it thank you so much for tuning in we'll talk to you again on thursday with another episode of locked on raptors